Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to It's Rainmaking Time. This is Kim Greenhouse. It gives me great pleasure to welcome one of the great inventors of our day, John Searle. He has created new energy technology. He is the founder of the Searle Effect Generator and the Searle Generator Technology. He has been on a long mission bringing this to the world, has had many, many interruptions, has had his work stifled and thwarted. I don't know if any of you have seen the movie, The John Searle Story. You should buy the DVD and watch it. He has the answer to our energy crisis, to technology, to transportation, to a whole new paradigm of thinking. And what is needed to complement someone like John Searle is the attendant paradigm structure and thinking around finance. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome one of the great inventors and pioneers of our time, John Searle. Welcome to It's Rainmaking Time, John. All right, thank you. It's a pleasure to be talking to you. It's a great honor for me to have you on the show. I guess the first thing I want to share with the audience is that I'm going to be speaking a little bit slower, a little bit louder than I normally do, because John has difficulty hearing and hears through vibration rather than actual sound. I just want to warn the listeners that it's going to be a little bit different, but please stay tuned. This is one of the most important men in history. All right, John. The first thing that struck me about your work is that you're maybe a century ahead of where the rest of the quote experts are. You're a hundred years ahead of everybody. That is the unfortunate part of my work. I commend you for being able to stay the course while the so-called experts resist what is obvious. Talk about your Searle effect generator. What is it? Well, first of all, it's a linear motor which operates on a magnetic bearing. Today, linear motors and magnetic bearings are popular things. A lot of companies use them. In my time, when I started to work, it was unbelievable. Nobody heard of it, and you were insane. That was the problem. Uh, but it is a converter because it draws in any energy form around itself and it compresses it into a uniform motion and then puts it out as electrical energy. So you can use it anywhere you wish because you do not have to burn fuel to get energy. What is the most exciting part of your body of work in all these years since 1946? What is the most exciting thing about your discoveries, from your point of view? Well, the fact that they, it lifted up in the air was a surprise, not intended. But since then, because we have learned an immense amount of information, that here was a technology that fitted nature absolutely perfect. You were actually using nature to your advantage against against fighting it, as we do in all the other generation forms, except solar cells and wind power and sea power. This was the only generator of its kind that actually cooled while it's in use, when it's actually passing current through the system. 
it actually cools and don't heat up. That is perhaps one of the most interesting parts of the technology. What I've noticed in my lifetime, and I'm 51 years old, is that the inventors and the pioneers that are ahead of their time are having to wait on dead paradigms, paradigms that have outlived their usefulness and their utility, and basically have to preserve and hold on to their discoveries so that they don't get into the wrong hands. Is that what's happening with you? Ah, uh, yes, that's a true picture. Uh, my work is the extension of many other inventors ahead of uh, the past who have faced the same problems as I do with these so-called expert idiots who try to impress the world. They know everything. In, in direct uh, results, they really know nothing. Why do you think it is, John, that when people don't understand something in a particular field, they want to kill what they don't understand? Yes. Well, there's two ways as I see this. A, once they realize the value, they want to own it. And they go to any length to do just that. They have no care in the world about who suffers and who goes without as long as they own it. The other lot of people who have an image, and this work will tarnish it. And that's the last thing they want. It's my work to tarnish theirs, and therefore they'll do anything to stop this work. I did an interview many months ago with a gentleman named Gavin Menzies. He's the author of two books, 1421 and 1434, and he lives in London. And what he's found through doing research and having thousands of people helping with research into history was that the Chinese were in America thousands of years. Columbus did not discover America. He had a map with him. And then I did a show with him and another climatologist on peer review and how what happens in academia is the peer review people often try to keep the same paradigm, the same information, the same thought forms about a subject and if somebody comes along and has a totally different paradigm that doesn't fit with the peer reviewers, they don't get through. Their works don't get published. They can't get through the process. And it reminds me of this. Here you have something for energy, for humanity, and the planet forever. That's it. But, of course, the way I plan for my investigation, the people always come up to me and say, why do I want an SGG electric car? Uh, I don't see any value of buying an SGG. Of course, there is a big value. There's a big difference between the SGG and your power line uh, energy. Your power line energy is producing a positive state in your home. The SGG produces a negative state in your home. There's a big difference in effects. Effects is that positive condition in the room, rise dust, and dust is a transport system to bacteria and viruses, which go straight up your nose, and when there's enough, you go down, and uh, the negative is the opposite. It causes dust to drop to the ground, therefore any bugs, uh, any bacteria, 
any viruses are there on the floor and a vacuum cleaner can deal with them. They don't go up your nose and then cause you to have to fall, you're not well. What are the applications for your technology? Share with us the applications that the listener can get their arms around. Well, if we take you home, the wife is cooking things, she opens the lid, she gets golded. Now, that is painful effects, I know from experience. The SEG emits a mass of negative ions, and this hits the tissue that's damaged. It cools it, and the pain dies, and it assists the healing very quick. And soon, that redness disappears. That, for the housewife, would be a blessing. Not only all the clean rooms it's got, uh, easy to vacuum, but it is an advantage that on a very hot day, the room is somewhat cooler, a degree or two degrees lower, depending on the sort of load uh, she's using. And therefore, in the house, it has a great advantage. Healing is speeded up. That's one of the greatest things in the house you can have. Now, we look at the motor car. However, uh, how many times in the winter you go to turn on and the engine just won't start up because the spark plugs are iced up or damp? Well, with the SEG, you've got none of that stuff to put up with. You've just got an SEG that is running merrily idle until you turn the key to power up the motors on the wheels and away you go. A nice room uh, is actually just as warm as your living room because you have mains heating on board or mains cooling, whichever is needed. You can't get that in a normal car. Yes, you get hot eventually, and unfortunately, when you go to get in first thing in the morning, they are cold. But the SUG types would be quick, very quick in warming the car up. So that's another advantage. The other advantage you've got to consider is there's no stopping at petrol stations to fill up. That's a great blessing. And think the money you're saving. You're making no pollution. So why should you be charged for pollution? in taxes. And the next thing is, you get to A and B regardless of the weather. And that is one of advantage, which normal cars can be very awkward in downpours, uh, seeing your way through. And uh, there's a lot of little advantages. The air is better inside the car. You don't fall asleep. You don't get headaches. Now, at work, if you've got SUGs, in the workplace, you don't suffer with the headaches, I know. And secondly is, if you're typing all day as a typist in the office, well, the boring thing is, after four hours, you're getting tired, your eyes are getting tired, you're making errors in spelling. But the SUG keeps you fine, wide awake and happy, and you don't make any mistake. This has been tested by a typing pole and proved 100% perfect. So we have a lot of advantages just looking at the simple things of life. Is this the rotating magnet and superconductors? Is that what is happening? Could you try to explain? We're not scientists, but... 
could you try to explain in essence what is there or what is happening so we have a little bit of understanding? Yes. Uh, first of all, what they actually do, do for the home and earthbound things is that it just keeps under a superconductor condition. Otherwise, if it does, it'll go airborne. So for domestic ground use, we have to set the inside control so you cannot exceed the temperature drop within the bee generator to 4 to 4 Kelvin. And that's um, not a difficult thing to do today. That's simple to do. And the other thing, too, is that if somebody tried to bypass the system uh, and see how much power they get out of it, of course, it will basically go through your roof and you'll be demanding a new home from us. And to protect us from that problem, we have to fix it inside the container so it cannot be overridden uh, so that we don't uh, have bills for new homes. That's because people want to prove you could get more power from it. The SUG is it's a device we can design for any requirement. That's a advantage too. Uh, but it's something you cannot make at home because it is a very complicated machine to do. But once you've got it right, of course, it's a golden egg. Again, do not get mistaken that the SUG solves all problems. What it does do is assist nature to recover Providing we do our part not to damage nature, it will recover. And that's the good thing of this type of technology. No other technology can do that. They do the opposite. They gradually destroy the environment. Because we've got to keep cutting down trees, digging up coal, doing this and that to get the energy. And the other thing is, though wind power is great, it is a vision pollution. It is sore on the eyes. And there is always a risk that one of the propeller uh, blades will break off. And that can move with a lot of force and could be a threat, a danger to anybody in the way. And therefore, there are two things that I worry about. Certainly is because of the generator itself will have to be replaced probably five, ten years. It has to be replaced. Costly job. Cost goes up every year. Once you've got the SUG, forget it. You'll pass it down to your family. They'll pass it down to their family. And for many families to come, it will pass down in the car. If you don't like the body in a few years' time, dump the body put a new body on and away you go. Uh, car maintenance would only be needed every two years just to recheck the insulation of the electric motors driving the wheels. So we have something which greatly cut the cost of man's movement on planet Earth. What if you created this generator for cars to be a replacement but instead of waiting for the car companies and the politics and the resistance and the opposition, created something that can be placed instead of a motor in a car. What do you think of that, John? Well, of course, we've been trying to get a company who will produce a car that we could put the SUG in. 
and uh, drive from East America to West America and back non-stop. That means we have to have a uh, condition on board for at least four drivers so that every eight hours a driver can switch off over without stopping. So you've got two uh, driving left and right systems so that the next driver moves into the right seat so that when the left driver uh, moves out to slip and, uh, sleep and rest, the one on the right is operating. Vice versa, eight hours later, uh, this way you don't stop. You keep going all the way. You've got the food, you've got the drink on board needed so that you can have your meals when you're on the off period of driving. That means we could do something never, never seen in America. And that, I think, would be television hottest bit of news to follow that car across America and back to see if it does stop at any point. That would be extraordinary. Let me ask you this about the same thing. I want to share a little story with you. Last year, I met this gentleman who lives in Irvine who works with four major manufacturers. And they're working on this hydrogen economy. A lot of the infrastructure for this is not set up yet. So not knowing about your technology then... I said to the gentleman, why don't all of you just set up the infrastructure, set up the place where you plug in? Don't wait on the car companies. Just set up the infrastructure all over the United States or pick a state and do it. And all of you go into a joint venture on it. Don't wait on politics to create the infrastructure. So I'm thinking now, as I'm listening to you about this, and yours is like the galactic energy device. You're drawing from existing energy. I don't know if it's the ether or what, but maybe you could design what needs to be in a car to make this work. And maybe we take an existing car and we don't utilize some of the parts of it and still put your magnetic generator in it. Would that work? Yes, the car only needs the SUG to put the energy side and the switch to isolate the motors on the wheels, the electric motors on the wheels. Uh, that's all it needs. And uh, when you turn off, the generator continues idling running. So it's always ready to use. In the past, the manufacturers said that they would not be interested in a power unit that you couldn't stop. It would have to be stopped. But you don't. With SUG, you don't need to stop it. By keeping it going, there's nowhere or tear happening. No corrosion taking place, no losses. It is simply reprinting the magnetic field as it runs around. It's renewing it, renewing it, renewing it, and it should go on for thousands of years. We'll become probably the eighth wonder of the world. The car with an engine that never stops. See, they don't understand that paradigm because they're they're thinking about a paradigm of regular electricity where you turn it off and on like a switch. They don't understand. It's like the air we breathe. It just is always there. Yes, it is always there. It's all the energy is always around us. At least seventy percent of energy coming to the earth is reflected back into space. It's wasted. Why let such energy go to waste? 
And this is my argument. And the second one is the deserts are grassy growing. It's time we act. That is to halt them spreading any more and then turn them to a green paradise. And we have the know-how, we have the technology. What I don't have is the people and the money. That's where the problem is. I know that your house was set on fire with all of your documentation and your generator that you built. It must have been a tremendously sad and upsetting moment in your life when everything you worked on was set on fire. Yes, the thing is to understand that the fire lasted four days. And um, it was a question that there was about five million pounds of data burnt to stop the work. The equipment, we have no idea where it went to. Uh, and we are looking at probably about a million pounds of equipment gone at today's prices. Uh, it was sad because we were reaching the, what we said, the top of the hill or the mountain. The rest was going to be a to slide down it. We had so much publicity running in those days. It's unbelievable that one man could have had so much publicity. It's not really in the UK were so much stores. New Zealand had much of it there. So it was a well-known thing, thing around the world. And yet we had promises and promises and promises to fund us to the market. Agreed, there was a lot of private collections that came in and helped us. There was a million from the USA dollars. From uh, Japan, we had a million yen come in. From Italy, the same there. So money came in from the mass of publicity. Unfortunately, publicity was aimed in such a way that the real money people were turned off. Turned off because at first they feared that the man in black would take over, that the government would, would not let you do it. And I've never believed that. My letter to Bill Clinton as he was Prime Minister, I made that issue clear. I did not believe it was the government that would stop such technology. But those who control the government would be the ones that fault. Have you ever thought that maybe you're supposed to be financed in a different way than traditional investing recommends or holds the entire entrepreneurial world hostage. In other words, maybe the way in which this work is supposed to be financed is money that is actually given free and clear to develop it again and to prototype it. Many of the investors I noticed in the film that Brad Lockerman produced, they wanted you to build the prototype they wanted you to patent it, and that's the same investment mind that is a parasite that wants to only be involved after everything is done. The fact is you had it. You already put it all together, and it was taken from you. So I think the kind of investment money that's needed is not to be under the direction of a group just because they have the money. 
This is something that has to be done for all of humanity, and it has to be done in the quiet, and it has to be done in such a way that even the manufacturing of this, it's done in 10 different places. Nobody knows where anything is happening from. And you put the final pieces of it together, but let's say you have one part of it developed in one place and another part developed in another place. Nobody knows what's happening. That's the only way to secure this at the manufacturing level, in my view, to get it done so that it's not interrupted. Nobody knows that they're working on one part of your thing. You see what I'm saying? Kind of like a bicycle wheel. Each has different spokes. And the financing also has to have those kind of spokes so that no one person, no one group can ruin it or interfere with its accomplishment. In 1963, when I went and filed a patent for the liberty disc, as we called it, the patent office rang me a month later to say that having studied this application, it was a know-how. Never, never file a patent on a know-how. Because if you do, everybody will know how to do it, and you'll be pushed out, and you won't owe nothing because some greedy person will own it who got the money to do it. And we cannot guarantee that finding them and taking them to court would be enough uh, award to cover the sheer costs of the hearing. That may not be the case. Again, early this year, we again went to the patent office with a solicitor and a British backer and because he wanted it patented. But after they saw the demonstration we gave, they agreed I could go ahead and patent it right there and then. But I have to consider two things. A, once you patent it, it's released to the world and somebody got to be able to make it for that full patent. And that means anyone be able to make it because they got all the details, which I would have to definitely give. The other thing was that if I was concerned about the planet, then do not patent it because then you're in full control all the time. And that's how it's been all these years because I've never took the patent out I let that provision run die and did not renew it. So I have kept control of it, though people have tried hard to steal it and done everything possible to to push me out to make sure I was finished. And that uh, makes you laugh when you think they don't even know how to put it together. They take, they take your computers, you've got everything on it. They think you'd be stupid now to put everything on your computer. Um, I said, okay, it delayed me for a few years. Agree, to 2000, and I started up again. Then they went and did the same thing in 2003, and I'm still struggling to recover. But the good news is we are recovering, no matter how they think they've won and stopped me. And that's what's upsetting some people at this time, to say that I'm back and we are moving forward in America of all places. I'm delighted. I'm so excited. Well, I am because I've been to America a few times over the years to try to set up such an effort. And each time, the people concerned so clearly they were going to own it. 
and uh, I started sacking everybody that was helping, and I had to look at it this way. If they could sack all these people that have been helping them to put the factory up and make the machinery, they would do the same to me when they know how to do it. They won't need me. And the thing is that uh, uh, it's not a good policy. One person or group owning the technology and can say who can have it and who can't have it and then charge the earth to make a big fortune for themselves quick. I know that there is financing for you in what you're doing without the financiers controlling your efforts, letting you go to work on what you need to go to work on again. The other thing I find that was interesting in the film on the John Searle story, his life, his machine, his words, is when Michael Nelson from NASA called you up on the phone and said, He's with NASA, but he's not really representing NASA in his phone call. I found that to be a conflict of interest. I didn't trust him when I saw that in the film. You bet he's representing NASA. You bet he's putting himself in a way to be involved with this. I didn't trust him. Did you? No. Now, the thing is that if anyone really is interested to proceed with this work, they invite you and your member, key members to meet them or they'll come and meet you with their officials and you sit around the table, you work up pros and cons and when you're satisfied you type up the paperwork and get the legal boys to look at it to see if there's any hitch that needs sorting out before you sign something. You just don't sign something immediately and meeting them because then you find that there's some little thing there they can own it. And that's a problem you, you have to watch. And so far, all the people of light have not been prepared to sign any contract which I can hand to a solicitor and get the okay to go ahead. I really think that the people that finance this or fund it need to be hands off. Literally, they put up the money and they walk away. Literally, they have to be willing to part with the money, and there's plenty of people who will. The other thing is that hundreds and thousands of people can get involved in this, but it has to be structured properly so that you are left to do what you need to do and what you're called to do once again. I know you've met, as you said in the film, with princesses and people of high stature about this. Do you ever wonder why they don't come forward and fund it? Well, of course, they all got strings attached to them by somebody higher than them. Somebody controls them. Let's face it, in Britain, the government controls them, tells them what they can say and can't say. And if anyone speaks out of line, they chew him off about it. And that's uh, the problem. The, the problem here, I think, is twofold, really. A, lot of people give money to see it happen. These are really true human beings who realize that if somebody don't do something, we're all in trouble. And every day that passes, that trouble grows more risky. And therefore, they give from their heart. They're the real people, the people you can trust, the people you can form a company with when you're ready to go to the marketplace. But those who want to see it 
I want to have in the home for a month to see it does work. They cannot be trusted because they only want to try to find out how it works so they can get it copied and they don't need you. Well, that's why I think there's a difference between a traditional investor and a true angel or someone who is putting up the money, who has plenty of money. It's a non-issue, and it's a benevolent commitment. Yet all you need is a center where people could donate a dollar a month. Uh, and, uh, this way, you get a million people doing that. You at least can get started with the work. And as the money grows, so the SEG is speeding up to the marketplace. These are the people that make it happen. Absolutely. The project for the people, by the people, and not big boys interfering. But they don't appear to, to want to do this. Where are the people? I can't see them. We'll have the aliens take them to the moon. They were our secret alien stuff which people bragging about on the internet. What if 100,000 people invested in this technology and you were able to create, again, the generator to work for our homes and apartments so we could use the energy that's naturally available? What if that's the easiest thing to start with rather than the cars? Uh, this is what we're working on is the 15-kilowatt uh, home generator. And um, the thing is, what we've got to bear in mind, the old generators took three months to make one. But production, that is useless. So I had to figure out a different way to go ahead. And this has been under test in America, partly developed in Thailand. And then, so we have now demonstrations to show what the materials do. And of course, by testing individual materials, in this required field, what they would do, what it does, we've learned that more happens than we ever knew happened. So we have learned from our American research work we're doing that the materials of the SUG do far more than we ever anticipated they did. And that's a great achievement as we try to find out the best solution for a mass production unit. And all tests are set at go. And that's great. That's great news. I'm quite content. It's just taking the better cost to get the heavy engineering projects here in the States and also the delay factor. Uh, two last major bits are going to take two months to wait for them to arrive from China. But they have been paid for thanks to the good people that made it possible and they have been committed to arrive from China in two months' time. But that means a slight delay on being able to speed things up. But we're still moving forward. Morris has put all his effort behind to get the new place converted to a lab and not a factory as it originally was, which means they had to clean the walls and paint them clean the floor and relay it with a decent floor. The office had to have the matting changed to make it look really as it is a lab and headquarters effort. And he's doing a very good job. And we can't afford to pay for the labor we needed. So he's struggling along 
with whoever wants to give a helping hand. Someone told me some years ago that if you really want to bring something to the world, do not patent it. Go ahead and make it open source, make it an open system and get it out there. Once it's in the public domain, it starts to move quickly. And that the patent office often stifles and holds up a lot of projects and also gives advance notice to the people that want to get in on your deal. So I think it's great you didn't patent this. Yes, I think it was the safest move. And uh, after all, the patent office said to protect your interests. And uh, if they said they cannot promise you that they can uh, find the people producing the SEG because you made every detail public, then uh, uh, that's a big worrying question. People, when I was in Canada in 1971, I did some programs. I met the Prime Minister, the full cabinet for dinner, long talk. The problem there is that a man went and paid for the patent and for a shilling. And that cost me pounds to file. And uh, I just thought, that's stupid. You pay all this money out for protection. A man can just pay a shilling. And he gets it. I say it's just ridiculous. And certainly is, I think that the way for this to move forward correctly for the world is in an honest group of people's hands where the world is represented as a whole, not as a select party of a few people who want to make millions in a year, 10 millions the following year, 20 the following year, that... And they've got to make more and more profit each year. That is not the way forward. That's the wrong way forward. But what I'd like to say is, first of all, bear in mind, the SUG is a golden egg only if everyone else play their part. A, they don't destroy or damage the properties. That helps the SUG to get nature to recover itself, then we all benefit. I like to see deserts brought to halt and converted to an evergreen state where things live and thrive in a happy condition. It is all possible, but it's going to take the effort of a lot of people to achieve it. The pyramids of ancient time were not built by one man. It took the whole country to stand behind their leader to make it happen. We in America should stand behind our uh, leader and say, we want a better lease of life. We need this pollution cleaned up. We need to drop out as quick as possible all the old technology that's making it and convert it to technology which is 100% clean. Get those ditches and rivers dug out deeper and wider where possible to take flood water. Get houses and buildings which often are known to be hit by severe flooding up on stilts so that the buildings don't get damaged in the process of a heavy flood. Lack of things we can do. There's no excuse today to say there's nothing we can do. That is saying that life it's not value. Human life is replaceable. Therefore, why worry to spend money to save it? 
that's how I say it. Talk a little bit about the law of squares. I know it's easier to explain when we see the diagram in front of us, but this is a big key in what you've come up with. Could you explain it to our audience for us? First of all, the uh, square we use actually is a four square for domestic and earthbound generators. And what it does to it tells you how much of an ingredient to add to another ingredient. It tells you the quantity to use for the four different materials needed. And it has a precise order. And certainly it's, uh, as a matter of fact, if one was watching, one write a value in any square and tell me to work it out to produce a perfect square. That means it is not in random. It is uniform motion. Every row, every vertical, every uh, the two diagonals will all add up to the same value. The center four squares will come to the same. The four corners will. And the outer 12 squares will be that value multiplied by three. And you mustn't use any number twice. It takes me about 40 seconds to work out any square for in which you insert any particular number in any particular square. And that's, for me, is a natural event. And very few people can even do a square three. It's impossible for them to do. The question here is, why has this been so easy for me when I've never been taught anything of that nature? Happened here, it was a dream. I call it dream one because there's two different dreams, both related. And they, the first dream contains a game in England, most girls, children play. Hopscotch. That is all the mathematics, isn't it? What the law of the square does do is that it tells you what to expect in structures. That's um, being in the medical field and then onto the laboratory where I saw every part of the unit of the body and checked them. I found to my surprise that they follow certain rules which the square, uh, the law of the square says should happen. Therefore, I realized that this format was a natural law. And if you follow it, you'll get the best uh, results that is possible. And with the SUG, what we got was unexpected. A machine that ran cool, it produced our immense power, and that also was surprising. I wanted something simple for the house, the test. And uh, it did everything except uh, what I wanted to do. That was to stay still on the tabletop. And uh, in any case, we discovered over a few years why it was doing it. And nobody could tell me why, except that it's impossible. Impossible. And here we were showing a lot of people the effects of this magnet on this bar that I started with. Uh, John Thomas from New York came over and I showed him the, 
the original bar. I showed him the original solid roll and asked him to place it at the end and see what happens. It moved forward and tended to carry on, but could it? It went diagonal and stopped. So I said to John, what would you do if you have this appear uh, before you? And he said, I have no idea. Well, no, did I have any idea, but the dream kept showing eight squares, meaning as each square was a segment. So if I slice this roller up into eight segments, we now energize it, we have a different picture. So I handed him a bunch of, of uh, segments and asked him to put eight on, which he did, then that go, and he saw it ran smoothly up and down the bar, no problem at all. I think uh, that is what normally people miss. Because having done the first experiment, they assume, I say assume, that it would not do anything different except just do that. And that's a problem with scientists. They assume far too much when they hear somebody, somebody who's not one of them making a statement. Then they down it immediately. Because A, they don't want to know anything that an outsider knows other than themselves because that image would be tarnished. And that's why when you read the books I used to release, you'll see one scientist saying that when you release the rollers, they immediately went to cruising speed. Then you get another one who says when you release the roller, it accelerates to cruising speed. What's the difference between these two scientists? There is a big difference. The one who say it accelerates, he works in the education field. He's working in the university, and he dare not state that what he saw, it immediately went to a cruising speed because immediately he'll be down and want to demand why did he make such a stupid statement? While the other man works in the industry, and he don't care two hoots about the education board. He says what he saw and what he witnessed. And that's the difference between these two accounts that you read in my books. That they, it depends in what field they work in how they explain the technology they saw. I love your examples. I think that really helps. Uh, I don't think you actually seen the demonstration yourself, personally. You would be excited by what you saw. When you say the demonstration, do you mean on your film or your website, or do you mean in San Diego? No, I mean at the lab. Okay. I, I don't think you were at the uh, on the Queen Mary when it was demonstrated there. <laughs> you were at the test, test the Society in New Mexico this year, this year. Wasn't it Schopenheimer that said there's three stages or sides of truth, ridicule, violent opposition, and then everything appears as though it's self-evident? Yes. Well, let's put it this way. The Wright brothers, it took about, well, eight to ten years before the government scientists accept that ambulance aircraft could actually fly. And after the demonstration... And this could be the same with refugees. We could be selling a few for a good eight, ten years 
before the scientists actually give in and say it can be done. You know, I'm a big believer in just building the industry. Just build the industry, whether the leaders, the elected leaders are interested or not. We can't wait for them. Now, uh, I, I do on all broadcasts and like to stay to the uh, security people, the forces, military and government officials. My door is always open for discussion. There is no closed door. There's no secrets going on. We are open door for the world to see. We have nothing to hide. We just want to get on with the job, get the SDGs in mass production. The world is in desperate need of them. And we should work together as one, not as little groups which are trying to own everything as it's their rights, their possession. This argument has to stop. And we have to unite and actually work together because if we don't, we'll all perish in the end. I agree with you, John. Talk a little bit about this rare earth material. I was a little bit confused about it in the documentary because I don't have background in this. But what is the rare earth material? How does it relate to the generator? I'm a little confused. Well, first of all, it's not rare. There's plenty of it. Uh, so people can get the wrong idea that it's limited. Okay, the particular one we use, uh, China is threatening to uh, hold back sales to the rest of the world because they need so much themselves. Uh, that's a sad news, but then all our stuff comes from China. So I don't think that will actually affect us, their action. Um, the rare earths are picked because they have a surplus number of electrons, which are not actually needed by them, but for some unknown reason, no scientists have been able to explain why they have this ban. Uh, and half of the number of rare earths have what they call a 4F ban with all these surplus electrons on it, which means they are easier to pull off. And if you pull them off, because they like them, they just push them all back from the surrounding uh, area around them, the fabric around them, and the, the chain goes on. The more you draw, the chain speeds up, and it gets to a point where the temperature is going down because we are increasing more electron input from the surrounding factory, uh, fabric than we are pumping out. And this means the machine is getting cooler and cooler. And this is good because it never overheats. That's the one blessing that conventional engines would overheat if you kept on taking more and more energy from it. This one does not. It cools and cools and cools. Uh, the other good thing about it is that electrons, you've got to have electrons to be able to get current to move. You need an MFF to push electrons into a system and get them to move to our voltage, direct them to where we want them directed instead of them being in a random motion, just doing what they want and, and not doing how we want them. And we have to create a force. Now, our force is a magnetic field in motion. And our magnetic field is somewhat different to conventional magnetic field. 
that's why uh, we can keep it going and never, ever have to stop it. We can leave it running all the time. And when you take a load from it, it speeds up to match it. And this is a beauty. The velocity of the rollers relate to the current being drawn from the machine. And I don't see any other machine on the market that does anything like that. That's what's so different about it. Yet, as I'm explaining in the book I'm writing onto the net, how each stage of my learning, which is scientific fact, actually is in the SEG, precisely the same. Why do scientists say it's impossible? Well, of course they don't want it to be possible. They never made it. And they have a finance position which they do not want to lose. They get loans that they don't want to cut back. So what's happening here is that the educational world and the industry do not want to lose their funding for the work they're doing and therefore must not support or be seen supporting this work. And that is the hardest part, to have to be alone and force it to the marketplace until scientists have no option but to accept it openly. I don't think the scientists are going to accept anything, A, that goes against their training, B, that is something they don't understand, and C, when they have all these attachments to their institutions. But I think that as this gets funded at such a level that you can really go at the speed and precision that you want with this, they will be forced to accept it. A lot of people go into business and they don't necessarily understand the stuff that they're in business about. They don't understand all their products. They don't understand how everything works. So they don't have to understand how this works. They just need to know that it does work. And I think that's where the commercial part will expand for you and the entire enterprise. The mission will expand once the first few million dollars is donated and you're free and clear. I believe that this funding has to be given as a gift to go and do it again because you've already done it. Once you're able in a free and clear manner to proceed without being encumbered, those are the optimal conditions to manufacture. Yes, the trouble with big uh, companies who can put money or would put money in it have said to me early weeks ago that they, they've seen my side of the statement, but they also see all the anti stuff on the web. And they've been gone before, and therefore they, under these conditions they wouldn't invest in it. And that's a shame, really. They're not the right investors. That's really my point. Those aren't the investors. The real investors, people with either a little bit or a lot of money, are in a position to let go, move the money, get it over to you, walk away, and let you do your thing. Those are the real investors because they're not investing in this. They're investing in the future of humanity. This is it. And the trouble is... Somehow they're frightened to do just that because they see so much stuff about how people have been con. They like to see a bit more proof that I do have the education for this work, which they told I don't have, but these clever 
so-called scientists they claim to be on the internet that sort of never had nothing. He has no knowledge to do it. Therefore, he didn't do it. People said, I thought you was dead. That's what we understood. Uh, of course, there were people who told people I was dead. After they, I got pushed out of the work uh, by death and destruction. I just had to struggle on in the dark until I could get moving again. Of course, they hope I'll never make it again. And therefore, they told people I was dead. They buried me. But, you know, that that's sad when you think that people said such lies to people to, to get them to lose interest in the work. That's all politics. That's all mean politics. But look, you know how you were saying that everybody wants to own this? Here's the paradigm. This is a stewardship project. This is not an ownership project. It's a different paradigm of finance. This is get it done money. This is not control it, own it money. And so there are people on the earth who will participate. The thing is that you have to be free and clear. And I repeat, free and clear to take this into manufacturing. And the finances need to be set up for people that are doing what you're doing in such a way that you're free and clear to proceed. The old venture capital paradigm, the parasitic paradigm that wants to only attach to something that's already built but doesn't want to get involved in building it, we don't want them. We're not interested in them. They're not the correct consciousness for the mother load that your invention and your technology is. So the frequency of the money and the consciousness behind the money has to match the marvel of what you're doing. Agree. As I've said to the Prime Ministers of the United Kingdom, as I came to parts that Gordon Brown I have I didn't bother with. But the other side said what we need is move people out of area area, bulldoze it, clean the mess up and reconstruct on advanced modern technology. Because we can make a better world for everyone. Everyone has a right to have a better living condition that equal to one and all. Each must do their part to make that happen. And if we don't, how are we going to beat the illnesses and problems and bad health conditions if we don't work together to achieve the success and making the conditions better so we do not suffer as we do today. And the future generations will suffer even worse than us because the way they're coming up are coming up in the wrong branch of the tree. They go into end that has no further use and they're finished. They must go up the trunk and start a new branch that will guarantee to expand and expand so future generations can carry on in a better condition than we are. We are not moving forward like we do. We claim to have all this wonderful technology, but I don't see any difference in my life because of them. I want technology where I see a difference in my life and in everybody's life. You know, John, when a company like Monsanto files patents 
on the molecular structure of seeds, takes over the seed world, creates seeds that are dangerous for humanity, takes control of crops, files patents on the molecular structure of pigs. They use the patent office to own and control all of life. They've taken over farming. They're kicking farmers off their land. When this type of activity is going on, you infiltrate the water, you infiltrate the air, you infiltrate the seeds, and you file patents on these things. And then they go into government. For example, Obama's head of agriculture was formally on Monsanto's pay list. Now, you cannot have these conflicts of interest. You cannot have this devilish stuff happening and trust our elected officials because whether they're Republican or Democrat doesn't matter. Many of them have conflicts of interest that are so deep and so far-reaching that they're already selling out humanity. So I totally understand why you didn't file the patents. I'm so excited that you care about humanity, that you've held your inventions and your pioneering work close to you to protect it all this time. And yet the financial part of getting it done requires something that's of another paradigm that is built for this purpose. And that means that the legal people behind the money, the structuring of this, the financing of this has to be at a totally new level. And it has to be done understanding that these parasites are standing on the right and on the left side of your pioneering work, ready and wanting to get in to own and control it. How much money do you need right now? Like $10 million? $10 million would certainly get the SEG to a point where we are fully given it a test to go into production. And um, I don't see anywhere along the line now we've got any problems. All the materials are doing precisely what I expected from them. In fact, they'd even do better than what I predicted they would do, which makes me quite happy that we are going up the right tree for mass production system. Now, today, uh, when we look at the cost, we're not looking at the prices of 1946, where 108 pounds would bought an SEG. And that SEG is going to cost 16000 And the longer we take, the more it will cost. And this is what I've got to look at, is the cost. The key issue we've got to understand is that as far as government's concerned, life is replaceable. Therefore, why waste millions to save it? They'll sooner spend millions to destroy it. Uh, life and the planet. Are you familiar with the CERN, C-E-R-N, collider? Where is it, in Switzerland? Oh, yes, I'm quite aware of it, yes. They spend billions on that, and that is so dangerous. I mean, what are they doing over there at CERN? Well, the main name there is that scientists are simply investigating the atom. What's in it? What does it do? And they come up with that famous statement that in a coin, you have millions and millions of tons of energy if you could get it out of it. Um, we take into account that after the greatest brains of the time uh, were saying that the atom had a lot of energy 
but it take more to get it out. And that was the famous name of Einstein, Albert Einstein. He would not accept at any stage from other scientists that there would be a cheaper way to get the energy out. But you see, Einstein was proved wrong. The atom bomb was proven right. There was another way to get the energy out of it. And I've always looked at the atom that here was something you ought to be able to tunnel the energy out without releasing it all in one go. And this is literally what the SUG does. It tunnels into the atom and extract the energy at a slow rate. And those who've got enough rotors to store energy to keep the front line loaded with energy, you have a constant output that never changes. And when you stop drawing energy, that is charged and it remains charged until required. That the, the velocity of the rotors drop their speed because they don't need to build up more EMF to push more electrons through the system. It idles, but as soon as you want to put demand on it, you switch on, whatever you're switching on, the velocity of the rolls immediately jump to a new level of velocity to meet that demand. So with the SEG, demand is met by the velocity of the mass in motion. And that is what normal generators cannot do. Do you think that because people don't understand what's happening, they're desperate to try to explain it, and in their desperation to try to explain it, they need to label it? Yes. Well, the trouble with this, it's going to take time for the world to see what it takes to really even produce SEG, it is a precision device. It calls for a lot of skill and certain a lot of what we call uh, knowledge, patience, or otherwise you'll never do it. And I think that we have one really good man, there's two or three more coming online, joining us, and there will be females joining us, and we'll have a really good team of workers in the United States. And that, for me, gives me great heart and hope for the future, that I may yet see the SUG on the market before my time is up. I want you to live a long time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I may be past my shelf life, but the work keeps me kicking. I would imagine that your spirit is so excited to see this thing happen that even if you have difficulty from time to time with your body, your spirit's going to keep you here as long as possible. <laughs> well, let's say that I know that the future, the next hundred years, is not going to be good for planet Earth. And the re- I know the reason for it. And the public don't know because... They're not told. They're not instructed in the problems ahead. America and the Canada military are trying, scientists are trying to solve how they're going to deal with the problems we're going to hit. Uh, 
and this is done really more secret than open because it's going to public. And the next thing is that when I look at it from my end, this seat, it's a shame because we should be prepared not for what we may expect to hit over the next hundred years sometime, but what's going to actually happen on the planet. What can we do to save all forms of life because saving the human being is no good if the food is destroyed. There's no food for them. We've got to also care for the food stuff and see they're also protected. And this really is a human effort. It is not really a what we would call a commercial project. It's a human thing. Exactly. We must get together and protect ourselves, try to make things better in case of serious flooding. That is now vital. I did a show the other day on the chemical compounds that are released from these planes that go up and spray strontium, barium, and aluminum into the air supply all over the world. And it's so disturbing because they're finding these materials that are coming out of the planes. It's ruining plants. They're filled with aluminum. And we really have to deal with very, very tough realities that there are military projects going on without our consent, without our knowledge, all over the world, and that it's not just the ground, it's not just the seeds, it's not just the water supply that's being ruined, it's the plants, it's the animals, it's the bees, it's all of it. And I agree with you, everybody's going to make it or we're all going. How much do we know about what we're eating today? Hardly anybody really knows. I don't think anybody can tell me precisely if I took any food I'm eating apart and examine it, what bad stuff I'll find in it, which is not good for your health. And we're eating so much of it. And the next thing, really, my concern is that I'm more sad for the handicapped people and the aged and children who would suffer most as the air gets worse. Whereby this technology can be actually cleaning the air. And if we stop destroying the planet, would help a lot towards cleaning the air up quicker. If we stop the killing and destructions of buildings and that, then the money can go further to useful things instead of trying to clear the rubbish and rebuilding again what was there, which is going backwards instead of forwards. We should be intelligent. I sometimes ask where, I don't see it. And we're supposed to be human. And that is something else I cannot see very much of. So we do have to change our education system to a greater level of what we call living requirements, understanding, and a better way of working together as one. And not say, I'm British, I can't do this for America because they're Americans. We've got to say we are humans and we must work together and get this mess cleaned up before it's too late to do anything about it. I know a lot of scientists already think it's too late, but if we keep on going, it's certainly going to be too late because I'll be gone, and without me, 
who knows about the technology enough to get it to the marketplace. So this is really a huge race against time. It is a race against time now. Way back when I was only 20, she had plenty of time to make that move and to get it. Well, we wouldn't be in this position if we made that move in 68. What is your biggest fear right now relative to the time that you feel you have left on Earth? Well, I'm sad that the national health system here in the UK is so badly in a position that nurses are asked to, you know, in, in the next two years, to give up their job to ease the burden on the national health. When you start talking like that, things are not good at all. Because surely, as a human being, our first and foremost task is to help the sick to recover. Those injured, fixed and repaired, and those who are so aged that they do need help to see the help is there. Human things, which in some places don't really exist at all. Everybody has to struggle on the best they can. And uh, when you look at China, children leave school, they go to old people's homes, make them cup of tea, clean the place. They are taught to respect the age. I don't see that in the UK. I don't see any sign of that. At least wherever I've been, I haven't seen that. And I don't see it here either. Many years ago, I was representing a scientist named Dr. Alex Belts here in Los Angeles. He was in his late 70s, and he had been working for 15 years on how to take kidney patients off of dialysis. And he was at work in the laboratory all the time, and I was making calls all over the world for him. And everybody in the medical field only wanted to get involved after he built the whole thing himself and financed it himself. You build it and we'll cream the market. Right, but nobody wants to get involved in making the cake and bringing the materials to make the cake, you know? They only want to eat the cake after it's ready. I think there's got to be a new way for people to discern not what to invest in, but who to invest in, who to fund. Why to fund them based on who they are in their consciousness and their commitment and their dedication. And particularly like you, if you're in an area that's new science or new math or new physics, they don't have to understand it. Now, there's a lot of things in TV sets, which the manufacturer have no idea why it works or how it works. All he knows, that's a demand on the market for the bits. And that makes his bread and butter the man I represented had a heart attack in his laboratory and died with his 15 years of work. Now, you've worked for more years on this than 15 years, but it's still a long time. It was very sad because Dr. Alex Belts died with his solution, and it just seems so aggravating. You know, in the finance field, they call the equity of your life, in other words, your lifeblood, giving up family members leaving you, friends leaving you, the loneliness of carrying a solution this long into the world. The finance culture calls that sweat equity. I call that blood. You give your entire life, everything in your life, 
all your dedication. You give up friends, associates, you get interfered with, you get shut down, your house gets burned down, everything you worked for, and you're still standing for it. Let's say you had all the money you needed to do it. How long, and I guess you won't know till the first one's done, but how long do you think you would get to prototype? Nice on being a new technology, you're looking at a two-year program. Of course, if you had the workforce behind you, that two years could drop down to 18 months. But on making the first one, you've got to put it on test. You got well day and night, different loads, switching and switching between the to certify no problems accessing this new system before you put it on the production line. There's a new project that's nature, you're looking at two years. Once your equipment is operating and we hope that by generator all the equipment needed to do it in house to get that prototype done and tested will be ready for operation. That's very exciting. That's not far along. It's not. All I can to do is keep these bones going to see that day happen where we can have firework display and uh, sh- drink babies to celebrate a success story of getting the SUG to the marketplace at last. I'm very excited. Very, very excited. You got a title of Professor of Math, Creation, and Energy. Who gave you that? Well, that was given by the German uh, group of uh, professors. I, I was lecturing all the time in Germany, more Germany than the UK. Uh, and there were doctors, professors, monks, nurses, uh, teachers, all there uh, to be taught by me the new technology, the mathematics, how to apply them. That in the end, one of the professors said, you know, this isn't right. Here's a man teaching us, a world professors and that, a technology, a mathematics, uh, on a subject we have no idea of. And he's just a common man. And therefore, they took a vote. They first asked the group of scientists there if it should be a doctor. And... Now they, they didn't seem to seem appear that was right. And when they asked, uh, should it be a professor? And all hands went up. Yes, because we can't see it can go any higher. Is that the limit of that technology? It is the technology. And of course, it was passed forward for certification by the Swiss University, their main office in Switzerland, and they proved it. Two weeks later, it was all it was presented to me, which uh, had I think was shown in the uh, Brad film, the John Saul story. I saw that you wrote Richard Branson a letter. Oh yes, that should be on the web too. I think that that's brilliant. You know, he gave thirty billion dollars to the Clinton Initiative. That's thirty B billion. I'm sure he could give you a billion. <laughs> well, uh, what happened was, which people are not aware of, back in the 60s, his attorney, or solicitors as we call them in the UK, 
uh, requested my lectures uh, on his behalf and saw the demonstrations and checked them himself. And they agreed. And what was stated to Sky TV reporter was that when Sir got his team together and ready to go, he would be interested in the IGV, as we call it now. But unfortunately, after that massive robbery back there in 2003, he heard about it and realized right away that at my age, the state of have no way would you be able to train another team of people to understand and construct this technology. So he then went and backed the spacecraft. Um, and, um, because he couldn't see no other choice. But unfortunately, it's had some mishap on that one, uh, which would never have happened on this system. But having made his commitment now, now he cannot really change it uh, to this. But we did give an open letter on the internet for all to see. There's a front door. He's always welcome to come through it to discuss business, honest business. Are there any other things that you would like to share with us today, John? Well, I'd like to talk to the president eye to eye. And I think in 30 minutes, I could convert him to a much better life, a better technology than he is packing at this time. I think in 30 minutes you could convince him, but I think the question would be who he reports to. <laughs> who he reports to is the problem. <laughs> yes, that always will be a problem, I think, because greed steps in so quick when it looks like a golden egg about that they want to own it. I have one scientific question that I want to ask you even though I'm not at your level of understanding. Your technology, is it a new science? Is it a new physics? It's a new window that's opening in the scientific domain, a window that has no limit to it. It is there with, well, man will be able to go anywhere, but of course the problem is for man, because of being it's of course food, water, oxygen, waste products to deal with. Water system itself, that's not a problem in the, in the IGV. The oxygen is not a problem. But it what will be the problem is called food. How do you get food to keep them going? The engineers, the experts who will carry out the research studies and test and pass information back to Earth, uh, and build up the history of what Mars was actually like in the past so we get a picture of how the Earth will go. Uh, the other thing is, too, you can't go to Mars for just three-day or five-day stay. That's not economic. You've got to go there with a workforce, and you've got to really work, and it's the most hostile place to go. Uh, and you really do need proper system heating important and you've got to have there are no houses there's no toilet system no water no food 
and we have to solve the food problem. The rest is simple. It's not such a problem. But food will be the biggest problem of all to solve. And until we solve that issue, I don't think man will be going to Mars for some time yet. Do you think that there's two parallel space programs? Some people assert that there's two separate space programs. There's a secret space program that has been operating before the, quote, official one. You know, it's kind of like how black budgets fund projects that the public is not supposed to know about, you know, in a national security agency culture. Well, first of all, Nancy, if you're going to try a new system, which could be possible, an atomic power engine um, to be able to get them to Mars without having to worry about any fuel system and then back again uh, without problems. Um, that's really solving their long journey they got to make, the time factor getting there back. I got to look at it a different way. I got to look at it, A, on a commercial basis, I need to get to Mars in two months flat, regardless where Mars is to planet Earth on the day of departure. It must be two months, because otherwise, economically, it wouldn't be worth it. And certainly is, we have that food problem. Everything else, from what I can see from the research, is no longer a problem. The crop is sound, the crop will do it. Uh, and that's perfect. The internal will be perfect for the crew, the workforce that would have to make that trip. It's just that one big problem. The other thing is what people forget. When you go to Mars, you can't ring up Earth to send the ambulance to collect the man because he's broken his leg. Uh, that has to be dealt on board hospital. And all the means to deal with broken bones or injuries must be able to be done on board. Any sickness that occurs must be able to be coped with on board. There is no asking the Earth for help. When you created the craft, that was flying. And you really defied transportation technology by creating those craft that obviously were generating their own energy to fly. You were coming up with a new paradigm and a new structure for transportation as well. Definitely, yes. Rails, in fact, where the European um, project was going, I was trying to get them to use SEG to power those trains. But of course, they already set their project on normal energy supplies. That is, electric cables for the power that. And uh, they spent millions of invested in this infrastructure that, to my mind, wasn't needed. The SEGs would power those trains at the same speed uh, with no problem. And without the problem to have to keep stopping halfway through the shuttle tunnel to change the power system from overhead to ground rail system, which is generally usually south of England. And, uh, and this to me is a terrible waste of money on uh, putting in such infrastructure 
that wasn't really needed. I have a question about this being used for boats, too. Ships and cruise lines who want to save money not using gasoline. Wouldn't that be great? Airplanes? It would, I must say. There is no reason for gasoline. There's really no reason for anything that actually pollutes the atmosphere. None whatsoever. Not today, because the means to make a cleaner world is here. And only people making vast money in what's here don't want to lose out by finding they've got to close down. That has always been a problem over the centuries. When new technology come in, the old technology fight hard to stop it. And they don't care how they do it. There was a very popular teacher and author who was also managed the Harvard Business Review named Theodore Levitt. And he wrote a brilliant book called The Marketing Imagination. And he shared this interesting story. At the time when new transportation was needed, the railroad industry perceived themselves to be in the railroad industry. And so because the way they perceived themselves, they were not open to new avenues of transportation that they could be involved in and be a player in. They didn't see themselves to be in the transportation industry. They were railroad oriented only. They could have been part of new transportation technology but because of their view on what business they were in, that opportunity didn't knock at their door, wasn't available to them. And I think it's true in what you're doing, that many of the industries see themselves in a narrow way. They could be players and participants and leaders with you in this new energy technology. But their whole view of success and their whole view of accomplishment their paradigm would need to change to be part of it. And that's really what we're dealing with. So I really think what you have to offer is so huge because it not only is an advanced technology utilizing what's there for us, but it is freeing all of humanity. And when you free all of humanity from the confines of very limited toxic technologies that are polluting and hurting all of life, that's a threat. Well, it is a threat to them because they're thinking of loss of job, they think of loss of revenue, and uh, this uh, they don't want to see happen. Of course they're going to fight. They always have done over the years. They've all been the same. Uh, in England, uh, it's got to a point where cost has got up and there have been so much uh, strikes of that that shoot the costs up of manufacturing, that the key manufacturing system is gone. And therefore, to do this sort of work, you've really got a problem on your hand because the type of people you want is just not available anymore because they moved out the country. As I wrote to John Major when he was Prime Minister, John, you must get this expert's back and the benches because that's what makes the country stand tall. You're sending them to America and other countries who benefit from their skills, and we don't. If you cannot get them back, please step down your government and invite me to take over. And it only take me 12 months to sort this problem out. 
Of course, he did set his government down. <laughs> now, that was the funny part about it. When the election came, it went to Labour. But uh, now, the whole system, the whole money system is wrong. This is the problem. Uh, a pound should pay pound all the time in all countries. And should never change its value. But it does. They change the values wherever they fancy to change it, sometimes early. And that is wrong. And I think we have to look at this payment thing. It would better be surely done by uh, just a receipt that you have. You keep every payment you receive, and you can go and buy what you want, which is done by exchange of receipts, and uh, money out of it altogether. And then you say there wouldn't be the need so much of this greed, because everyone would be greedy. They would all be on one set wage packet. And those with skills would get an extra docket uh, 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 for something they want as a gratitude for making the effort to improve their capabilities. And I think we would find that we would have a better run of living if money just wasn't worth anything. I would like to talk to you on a whole new segment about money on a separate show because I really think it deserves its own proper time. I've done about 15 or 16 shows on everything you can think of related to money, and I look forward to having you on as our guest. Well, let's be honest about it. If aliens came to the planet Earth when all that is gone, what would they actually find? Everyone would look at a car, they would see that. The car was our God, that we pray to it and that. And they see all this money stuff, they think that's another God that we had. And really, to be honest, it almost is a God, because, hey, everybody wants to have millions. And let's make this point clear. Who wants to own the SUG when the SUG will make more money than they'll ever spend in a lifetime? And therefore, I'm not that worried about money. In fact, I don't even get paid anything for the work I do. I live on a pension. And if I can live and struggle to replace the stolen goods from a pension, surely I'm not asking too much for people to rally together, have a centre to put a dollar in or a pound in, to send send every month to get this work done. So we all can live in a better condition than I'm certain living at the moment. I'm so honored to have you on the show. I respect you. I appreciate you. God bless you. Thank you for being here. Ladies and gentlemen, we have been listening to, learning from, and talking with John Searle. He is the founder of the Searle Effect, the founder of the Searle Effect Generator, the SEG, the inverse gravity vehicle, IGV, the discoverer of the law of the squares, and he can be reached, or you can find out about him by going to searlesolution.com. And also, what is that command? And you've got the www.swallowcommand.com. Then you have the Searle Magnetics. Uh, 
www.facebook.com. Uh, these stations give you the pictures and what's going on. You can see what we're doing. We're hiding nothing. You, you can watch us creating the new lab and the office of work, and you'll see the work being machined in that as we progress. Bradley Lockerman, who made the DVD uh, on the Soul Technology, will film the different stages as we progress, and they will go up on the website so that everyone can see the work that's going on. It will never be a closed door except the magnetic side, which we have to protect, because aliens will come and take it with loss, and if uh, terrorists come and take it, then the whole world lose. You know, I have these three words that I say when I'm excited and inspired, and they're, it's rainmaking time. <laughs> Can you say it's rainmaking time? It's rainmaking time. Let's make America green, that's what I say. Let's make those dishes so green they've never been seen like it for over a thousand years. And if we do that, America will be in a much healthier, better life than it is at this stage. Let's plant the seeds and have a great harvest. I'm so excited. God bless you, John Searle. Thank you so much. That's all right. It's great. It's been nice to be on the show with you. It's a pleasure for me. I look forward to seeing you in Glasgow. Oh, well, maybe you'll see me in L.A. before. I would love it. I'm here. You're in L.A. I'm in Los Angeles. Oh, you'll have to make the effort to get down to the lab and see the demonstrations for yourself. I would love it. And you'll have to come and see me when I'm there. When are you coming? Well, I wish I knew the date because we need to get everything organized so that uh, a good film clip for the web can be made while I'm there. Fabulous. And I hope a lot of publicity, too. I'm very excited. God bless you, John. Thank you so much for your time. It's a pleasure.